Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 412. Uh, unique, special episode, something very different than I normally do. It's an episode entirely dedicated to Man in the Arena, episode one, the Tom Brady documentary. It is... 3.51 in the morning as I record. Uh, I took a little nap. I'm, I'm behind, honestly, on content this week. But I I wanted to give this episode, uh, or I guess this television show, this series, The Man in the Arena, the special attention that I think it deserves. I I wish I'd done this with The Last Dance, to be totally honest. And, I, you know, hey, you learn, you move on, you evolve. And I want to, every week, do an episode specially dedicated to this show because I I love Tom Brady. He's my favorite athlete of all time. He's a cultural icon, and I, I think this show deserves it. It's kind of, um, it, it's the kind of stuff like, you know, in theory, if I could do a, an episode breaking down the TV show Survivor every week, that'd be really cool, too. That, that's not ever going to happen in my career, but here's an opportunity to break down a TV show I really like once a week, and it sounds fun. Welcome in. I have one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine and a half pages of notes here. I don't know how long this is going to be. I really don't. Uh, it could be. I, I would guess it's not going to be crazy long. But I want to meander, take my time, and just make a long-form piece where I, I you know, I just talk about a show I like and, and really enjoyed. Uh, the Man in the Arena is something I've been looking forward to for so, so long. And the reason why I love Tom Brady is because I, I think what he's done is really impressive not because so Tom Brady's not the most talented quarterback we've ever seen he is certainly not the tallest not the fastest does not have the biggest arm but Tom Brady's the most prepared quarterback we've ever seen in NFL history and that is why he succeeded that is why he's my favorite player of all time and, and I don't think what he's done will ever be duplicated Tom Brady the way he's fully invested in his career and you know, really, frankly, been more dedicated than, again, like, I love Josh Allen. I love Zach Wilson. I love, gosh, there's so many great young quarterbacks around the NFL right now. Uh, Justin Herbert. Like, what Tom Brady's done with his diet, with his body, um, like, I, I don't think he sees his family much at all during the regular season. I just don't think anyone's ever going to duplicate it. So let's give Tom Brady the respect he deserves. Talk about Made in the Arena, episode one. Uh, first of all, I love that this show was on Tuesdays because... It's not competing with any other football. I, I really, uh, I, I love, and me, my fiance and I watch The Bachelorette. It's on Monday nights. I don't watch it usually till like Thursday because I'm busy. Like I watch it Thursday mornings because I got football all week. It's nice that the man in the rain is out of the way. It's on a Tuesday, not competing with anything. That's obviously very intentional. I like that it's uncensored. We get to hear Tom Brady dropping F-bombs, which is I think how he genuinely does talk in real life. And I, I drop a lot of F-bombs in real life, too. I don't do that on the show, but it's nice to hear Tom Brady being authentic and being himself. And uh, this episode was all about Tom Brady and how his experience with Drew Brees, sorry, Drew Brees, Drew Bledsoe. I don't know why. In my notes, I wrote Drew Brees a couple times, too. I'm like, why did I do that? I don't know. Like, it's Drew and then B. It's hard to, like, not say Brees there. No, Drew Bledsoe uh, really helped shape Tom Brady. And without Drew Bledsoe, we would not have the Tom Brady we have today. Drew Bledsoe, a former number one overall pick in the 1993 NFL draft to the New England Patriots. Uh, he once signed a 
10-year, $103 million contract with the Patriots, which at the time was the richest contract in NFL history. It's kind of funny. Now that would be a steal. It's like $10 million a year for an NFL starting quarterback. That's amazing. But at the time, a massive deal. Like Mahomes signed a $500 million deal. It shows how much more money is in the NFL now than there used to be and how much inflation has gone up, stuff like that. But uh, Drew Bledsoe was a starting quarterback in New England before Tom Brady became the starting quarterback there. And I, I think it's pretty clear with this episode Tom Brady, because Tom Brady, I'm, I'm pretty sure, decided a lot of how he wanted this to go. He chose the name of the documentary. Like, he talks about how he wanted the show to be called Man in the Arena. Uh, like, he, he chose that. So I, I'm sure he had a heavy hand in production and choosing where things went. The same way I'm sure Michael Jordan made a lot of decisions with how The Last Dance portrayed him. But what's clear to me is that Drew Brees, he's Drew Brees, dang it, why do I keep saying that? It's not Drew Brees. It's clear to me that Tom Brady really wanted to highlight Drew Bledsoe and give him the respect he deserves and give him some shine. Uh, I thought it showed a lot of humility from Tom Brady. Uh, yeah, like, if you hate Tom Brady, don't listen to this because I'm going to talk about Tom Brady a lot and praise him. That's that's what this episode is, right? It, it's me talking about my flav- favorite player, a person who's really inspired me. Uh, by the way, the reason why I'm, I'm so inspired by Tom Brady, look at me. I'm, I'm like, attractive. I'm not the most attractive man in the world. I don't have the best voice in the world. I got a little bit of a lisp, and uh, I, I, I work hard. And I, that's, you know, as a broadcaster, hopefully my edge is I, I work really hard and prepare really hard. And, you know, I can't control how my voice sounds. I can't control how I look. Not really. I mean, I could probably work harder to get abs. It's pretty funny. I was... Uh, my fiance really wanted McDonald's, and I'm I'm literally eating, I was eating McDonald's French fries, watching Tom Brady talk. Be like, oh my gosh, if Tom Brady knew I was doing this, he would hate this. Um, no, but Tom Brady's work ethic is something that I think everybody in the world can look at and be inspired by. Now, again, what I was saying was, I'm, it's pretty clear to me, Tom Brady wanted to give respect to, to Drew Bledsoe and tell that part of his story. And, you know, Tom Brady didn't have to do that, I don't think. I think he could have gone right into, like, yeah, I took the job of this. But he was very, very um, – he, he was he was offering a lot of praise of, of Drew Bledsoe in this episode. And I think that was a, a, a choice that Brady made was to say, like, if we're going to tell the story of my first year in the NFL, which this episode is about, is about how uh, – first year as a starter in, in, Tampa, in New England and how it's a story of how Tom Brady – became the Tom Brady we know today and how he won his first Super Bowl. And a massive part of that story is Drew Bledsoe and the way he contributed to Tom Brady. And and Brady says, like, even in this episode, the reality is you need a lot of luck to succeed in the NFL and and do what he's done. And a big theme here is that no man is more important than the team. And that's something Brady learned early on at Michigan. And uh, it's interesting to hear Drew Bledsoe talk about his career. He says, you know, there were times where I was playing damn good football and we weren't winning. And it reminds me a lot of guys like Matthew Stafford or, um, I mean, man, there's a lot of quarterbacks who have had, you know, a lot of talent and been really good and played on bad football teams. And now Carson Palmer's an example in Cincinnati where what would have happened if Carson Palmer's career had been different and he'd been on a better team his entire career? I think Derek Carr is another guy. Derek Carr is a quarterback who is, is I think, more talented than people realize, but never – 
gets a real opportunity to show that because the team around him isn't as good and there's all kinds of turmoil going on with the Raiders. Now, Drew Bledsoe liked Tom Brady a lot. He says, like, I was never really threatened by this guy. Just a skinny kid from Michigan. But Brady asked a lot of questions. And, you know, it was cool how you heard Tom Brady talking about working hard is a sustainable trait. You know, talent only gets you so far. But at a certain point, talent wears off and you have to be, you know, sustained by your work ethic. And it's interesting to me. As I look at my notes, um, you know, the Patriots believed in Drew Bledsoe. They gave him a $100 million contract. It's something I, I never – I knew Drew Bledsoe was a number one overall pick. I knew that he was playing well. I, I – this is before my time. Like, I was not really cogs, cognizant of football during the transition from Drew Bledsoe to Tom Brady. I didn't realize he'd signed the biggest contract in NFL history at the time he signed it. I mean, that's – it's pretty ballsy to – Tom Brady had roommates – we, they talk about September 11 at the time. And it's interesting to think like Tom Brady now at one point was a guy with a baby face who had roommates living in Franklin, Massachusetts. Like he was a totally different person back then. And the Patriots, this episode really woke me up to how impressive it is that Tom Brady supplanted Drew Bledsoe. Number one overall pick, $100 million contract, ha- had been to a Super Bowl before, by the way. They lost to... Uh, I believe it was Brett Favre in 1996. Uh, they went to the Super Bowl, and uh, you know, they lost to Brett Favre and the Packers. I believe that's who. Uh, in fact, yes, that is what happened. Now that I think about it, uh, I know my NFL history a little bit. And uh, in the second game of the year in the 2001 NFL season, Drew Bledsoe got absolutely rocked and uh, was out. Had internal bleeding. You know, a ton of stuff. He lost like two pints of blood. I heard a news story say during the episode. And uh, that led to Tom Brady getting a chance to play. And uh, by the way, I, I, they, they kind of skip over this a little bit. I mean, they talk about playing the Colts, but nobody, I've never really realized, oh my gosh, Tom Brady's first ever NFL start came against Peyton Manning. Like, what? I did not realize that. Oh, interesting. Weird. Huh. Like, they would go on to have so many battles and become like the two faces of the NFL, Brady, Manning, like which one's the GOAT? I mean, they, they really are intrinsically connected forever. Intercon- intrinsically? Is that even interconnected forever? Like we will always remember Peyton and Tom Brady and compare them and contrast them and talk about them and their relationship. And it's, it's really bizarre that Tom Brady's career began against Peyton Manning. His first ever NFL start came against Manning. That's I had no idea about that, and they didn't really talk about that in the episode. They do mention the Colts, how they played them, but that gets overlooked, and it's pretty crazy. And uh, Brady talks about how all the work leading up to his first ever start, you know, his, his first year in the NFL as a backup, learning, asking questions, helped him prepare. It gave him confidence. So when his moment came, he was ready. And then uh, they talk about, you know, during that 2001 season, the the five and four at the time Patriots played against the St. Louis Rams, who at the time were in St. Louis. Now they're in L.A., obviously. And it's kind of an interesting too, like, you know, the Rams and Patriots have played in multiple Super Bowls, uh, even during Tom Brady's career. It's like, huh? Like I, I never at the t- I never really realized that when Jared Goff and Tom Brady played each other and the Patriots beat the Rams in that Super Bowl. I somehow, like, I knew that, but I kind of somehow missed, like, oh, yeah, this is a rematch of Tom Brady's first ever Super Bowl. So in the middle of that 2001 season, 
the Patriots play the Rams, and the Rams are the greatest show on turf. And the Rams won, but they were a bit cocky. They talked a lot. They showed clips of Torrey Holt, I believe. Is it Torrey, I, I don't think it was Isaac Bruce. I think it was Torrey Holt, the receiver. Uh, they're both receivers, but I, I believe that was Torrey Holt talking about, like, hey, to be the greatest, you got to show up every week and yada, yada, and kind of running his mouth a little bit. And even though the Patriots lost that game, and they dropped from, you know, 5-4 five and four to 5-5, five and five, it gave their team a bunch of confidence to show that they could compete with the best. And I, I actually kind of reminds me of when it's funny when the Patriots beat the Giants at the end of their 2007 season, the Giants, you know, lost to the Patriots. The Patriots stayed undefeated and went a perfect 16 to 0 during the regular season. And the Giants were barely in the playoffs, a wild card spot after that loss. But that game gave the Giants hope in 2007. Like, oh, we almost took down the Giants. Like, we almost took down the New England Patriots, who were, you know, the Giants had the actual team name, but the Patriots were the Giants of the NFL at the time. And the same way that the Giants got hope from almost beating the Patriots in 2007, even earlier, the 2001 Patriots got hope from almost beating the St. Louis Rams, who were at the time on top of the NFL. And that was a moment where they're like, huh, we could do this. And then you also have to give credit to, man, Drew Bledsoe, his lack of ego to watch a guy, Tom Brady, go on a run, win a lot of football games. And, you know, to put the team first, because I don't understand, I, 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 I never really, again, realized the gravity of Bill Belichick chose Tom Brady over the $100 million man, Drew Bledsoe. Like, that's a... That's an insane decision to make. I mean, we talk about Mike White versus Zach Wilson. Yeah, and how, like, it would be crazy for the Jets. Like, it, back when Mike White was playing well, he had one good start, and the, there was, a, a like, oh, about a week and a half of a controversy with the Jets this year. Whether Zach Wilson, number one overall, the number two overall pick, would be the sustained starter in New York, or Mike White, who had a, a good game and looked pretty good. Like, maybe if Mike White kept playing well, do you, do you take out, Zach Wilson, your number two overall pick, who you're heavily invested in. And I, I, you know, I've talked about how it would be crazy to play Mike White over Zach Wilson based on where you drafted Zach Wilson. Imagine that ratcheted up times 100 because you have, you're on the hook for $100 million to Drew Bledsoe. You're very, very invested in that guy. It's crazy that Tom Brady took his job. Like the politics of the quarterback position are so complicated and it's so hard to, I mean, like even in college football, if you have a guy transfer in, the coaching staff usually favors that guy because they recruited that guy. They're like, we made a move to go get this guy. It, it's very, it, it's politics play a massive part of who you start at the quarterback position. Like if a guy is making a ton of money and the backup's playing better, they don't care. They're going with the guy they're more invested in because that's politically what you have to do most of the time. And so you have to give Bill Belichick credit for making a tough call, a gutsy call, and a risky call to go with Brady over blood. So that's a, a rare thing to see in football. And, um, and what's cool, too, is Bill Belichick, when he committed to Tom Brady, said, Brady's our starter. He didn't say for the rest of the year. He said for right now, which is a wise thing to do, because if Brady goes out and plays bad, you go, well, we gave it a shot. He had the hot hand. We're going back to Bledsoe. But... You know, it, it, after Bledsoe was fully healthy, ready to come back, 
And they said, we're still going to stick with Brady. Tom Brady had four touchdowns against the Saints. And they said, well, let's keep this rolling for a while. And uh, I, I just got to give praise to Drew Bledsoe. He's so much better of a man than me. I <sighs> I handled being the number two quarterback in college football badly. I mean, I, I never did. Anytime I felt threatened by another quarterback, like I, him and I didn't get along, I, I reflect on my career uh, and I was a backup in college. Like, I was never really the starter. I was always number two or, or, or further back in the depth chart behind the starter. And I always hated the starting quarterback. And I, I would tell myself stories how it was unfair, this and that. And I think so, to some degree, even now, I'm still bitter. I still feel like stuff was unfair. I still feel like I was the best quarterback at times. And I, I was like, man, this is ridiculous. I should be playing. But the fact that Drew Bledsoe didn't let that come out. And she, like, I was angry and, and had a really hard time putting the team first. And I, I actually left college football. I said, I'm out. I'm going to leave. I can't do this anymore. Drew Bledsoe never left. He never quit on his team. He put his team first. And I just have to give a lot of credit to Drew Bledsoe for being, being willing to put his ego aside and being even not just willing, but capable of that at all. And uh, Bledsoe talks about how after they won the Super Bowl, the very next day, he was up in the mountains somewhere in Idaho skiing or maybe Montana. And uh, that's when he finally allowed himself to feel the emotion of losing his job and his team winning a Super Bowl without him and kind of broke down and cried. And actually, it's interesting thinking about that now. It makes me think of, of, of Carson Wentz, the quarterback of the, the Colts now, but used to be quarterback of the Eagles when he lost his job. And Nick Foles won a Super Bowl with his football team that year. Man, I mean, can, I, I'm sure like he had a moment too after the year ended where he broke down and cried too, where he's just like, this is horrible, man. Like, you know, I, I was probably going to win the MVP that year playing fantastic, tear my ACL, and my backup quarterback takes us to a Super Bowl and wins. And my team wins a Super Bowl without me. I never thought about that connection until now, but I bet that I would almost wonder if Carson Wentz ever talked to Drew Bledsoe behind the scenes and said, how did you handle that? I don't know if they did. I don't know if that's, I don't know if they even know each other, but that would, if I was Carson Wentz at the time, now thinking about it, I'd go, who else has been through this? And, and Drew Bledsoe and Carson Wentz have a shared experience where they both had their team win a Super Bowl without them, which is really insane. Uh, and, and, you know, Drew Bledsoe gave an amazing quote. He said, if Tom was an a-hole, it would have been really hard to put the team first, but Tom is not so that I was able to stay cordial and stay friends. And it's really clear too, you know, I had a, my little brother played quarterback in middle school and there was this guy named Carl who was an amazing athlete. And the coach had a brilliant idea of putting Carl at quarterback because Carl was this great athlete. And they ran the wildcat offense and benched my little brother. And my little brother was like literally teaching Carl how to throw. He's like helping him play quarterback. And I always was perplexed by that. I was always like, dude, why would you, why would you help Carl? Like Carl's starting because you got screwed over. And my brother always saw it differently than me. So that's another, I just, I thought of that like, oh my gosh, you know, my little, my little brother's gone. May he rest in peace. Uh, he died in 2016. But that's another example of even my little brother put the team ahead of me. I just, I guess my ego always got in the way of, of me putting my team first. I, I wanted to play and I, I always would hold bitterness if I wasn't playing. And I, you know, I, I'm not proud of that, but that is true. And I just, again, it makes me respect Drew Bledsoe even more.
Now, the documentary does shift focus to uh, the Raiders and Patriots game, the Blizzard, the divisional round of the playoffs in the AFC. And, uh, you know, Tom Brady talked about how he liked playing in cold weather, still does, because it slows everybody down. Like, his his brain processes at the same speed, but players are literally physically slower because of the snow and having to navigate that and run around in the snow. And it's also worth noting that this footage from the Raiders-Patriots game is old. Like, it's, you know, it's very, very well edited because the color grading, uh, they almost remastered it, really. NFL Films, I'm sure, is where they got the footage from. It's impressive what they did in that with that game. I also did wonder watching, did they interview John Gruden about the tuck rule game where they played the Raiders? I wonder if, now I don't know if John Gruden would even talk about it. Like, do, I'm sure he's done an interview at some point probably saying, like, it's nonsense, it's ridiculous. But I'm sure that would be his position. But I wonder if they interviewed John Gruden and then actually had to cut it out due to the controversy he got into. Uh, I, I, I don't know if they even would, but that's interesting. Like, huh, I wonder if they were like, because remember, Gruden used to work for ESPN. And it's funny, they have they, they happily leave that out, that Gruden worked for ESPN at the time of the emails he sent that he got in trouble for. Uh, anyway, you know, reflecting on the tuck rule game, it's, to me, like, I, and I wonder if this is part of why people hate Tom Brady so much, is that Tom Brady got away with one. Like, the origin story of Tom Brady's first ever Super Bowl kind of came on the back of a big controversy and a pretty lucky win. And people call him all the time, like the luckiest quarterback of all time. And they're not entirely wrong. Uh, and, and then also there's that reputation of cheating. And I'm, I hope they talk about in this series, Deflategate. That would be really interesting. Uh, I would think Tom wants to. Like, I, if I were Tom, I'd be like, let me clear the record. And I'd be like, look. Even if the ball's deflated a little bit, I still got to read a defense. I still got to be accurate. Like, I don't know that... I've always thought that deflate gate was totally overblown. Like, hey, uh, having a deflated football doesn't make you make great decisions. It, it just I've always thought it was way... Uh, it was given way more of a uh, spotlight than it really should have. Like, I just think that it's not that much of an advantage. I just never have thought that having a deflated football... In fact, for me, I think a deflated football is harder to throw. So... Uh, but again, Tom Brady, the tuck rule, he got away with one a little bit there. And I, I'm sure that helped frame the beginning of people's hatred for Tom Brady. Although I wouldn't wonder, too, like, I, you know, I, I bet there was a time. Here's a reality. We love a new story. We love Lamar Jackson because he's new and hasn't won a lot. He hasn't dominated the NFL. Like, the more you dominate, the more tired people get. If you like, I think that actually helps Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning never won five Super Bowls. And so... When he won, it was special and cool, not something people were bored and tired of. I would imagine that if you could go back to 2001, a lot of the people that probably hate Tom Brady now at the time were like, oh, that's cool. I, I bet people's opinion evolved and got worse over time. But when he was new and cool and exciting and a good story, I bet people loved Tom Brady in 2001. A lot of people that hate him now probably used to love him. I, I'm just, that's my supposition, maybe. I suppose I'm sure that's the evolution those people had felt uh, over time. Now, they talk about the AFC title game against Pittsburgh right before the Super Bowl in 2001. 
And Tom Brady gets hurt. He you know messes up his ankle. And in came Drew Bledsoe. And Tom talks about, I think, very showing a lot of humility, saying, like, I was scared. The Steelers had um, Dick LeBeau. I believe, is that his name? I believe, like, someone, if I'm wrong, write in on YouTube. Let me know. I think Dick from, no, not Dick Vermeil. What was that guy's name? Let me look it up. What's Dick Vermeil is the coach of, man, I, th- I think he was actually the Rams coach. Um, hold on. Steelers defensive coordinator Dick LeBeau. Dick LeBeau was who I'm thinking of. So he was a, a a defensive genius. He had all these crazy exotic blitzes and uh, Dick for me, <laughs> Dick LeBeau. I, I knew it was a Dick name. Like, that sounds terrible, but why do people name their kids Dick or Richard? I, I never, I never would do that to my kid. Cause like, it just, <laughs> it's a bad idea. Um, anyway, the Steelers had all kinds of crazy exotic blitzes. They would blitz anybody at any time coming after the quarterback. And Tom Brady, young quarterback, I don't think at the time was equipped to deal with that. It's still, like, I bet even today Tom Brady would have a hard time against a defense like that because you hate, it's just dealing with a blitz sucks, especially when it's you're having a hard time identifying where it's coming from. And the Steelers just, oh, man. So Brady talked about it with a lot of humility, saying, like, you know, I was scared. And I was rattled by the blitzes that the Pittsburgh defense was coming after. So, you know, not only because he was, you know, hurt, being hurt was a good excuse for Belichick to take Brady out, but Brady was also rattled. I mean, Belichick, you know, Brady in this interview could have said, yeah, I was just hurt. But no, he he was pretty clear. Like, I also kind of got benched. Like, that's what happened. And in comes Drew Bledsoe, plays fantastic, leads the Patriots to the Super Bowl. And you're like... What a weird turn of events. The same thing that happened to cause Drew Bledsoe to lose his job in week two of the 20, 2001 NFL season happens again in the AFC title game. And then there's this controversy like, are you going to go with Drew Bledsoe for the Super Bowl? Or is maybe because Drew Bledsoe played great and, and came in when Tom Brady wasn't playing great. Or are you going to go back to Tom Brady? And Drew mentions that he remembers Tom being really fired up for him in that moment, which is hard to do. And, uh, and and then they talk about the Super Bowl, and Brady mentions like, yeah, I wasn't even old enough to get a rental car in New Orleans, which, I, by the way, I'm 24. I'm still not old enough to easily get a rental car. Like, I had to get AAA when I when I moved here and get a, to be able to get a rental car. It's a, it's a pain in the butt. It's crazy. Like, you can't get a rental car until you're 25, but you can get you can join the army. You can get plastered drunk. You can do all kinds of stuff. But God forbid, you can't drive a rental car, but you can die in the military. It's like, what? Like, it's always never really made sense to me. It always is weird, too. Like, this is a, an aside, but at 18, you can join the military and die in war. But you can't touch alcohol. Like, it never, that always was weird to me. Anyway, uh, so leading up to the Super Bowl, Bill Belichick met with Tom Brady and Drew Bledsoe, he let them know that Tom would be the starter. And that was really, really tough for Drew Bledsoe. He kind of, you saw on his face, he kind of was like, yeah, I kind of had my hopes up. Like, I hadn't played all year, really, and I was really looking forward to playing. And um, it's like giving a, a starving guy a cracker. It's like the, the thing you really need. And, and that gave him hope, and he was hoping he would play. And he even admits, like, Drew Bledsoe admitted that, I was kind of hoping that 
uh, Tom Brady's ankle was too hurt to play. Like I wanted, I wanted that moment to be mine, not Brady's. And uh, so the Rams and Patriots meet in the Super Bowl. It's interesting too. This the 2001 Patriots team that won a Super Bowl with a young Tom Brady, his first year starting. It reminds me so much of the 2021 Patriots team we have this year. Where they've got a young quarterback, Mac Jones. He's a rookie, not a second-year player, but it's first year starting. You got a young quarterback. You got a team that plays really good defense. They run the ball well. Like, what Belichick is doing this year in 2021 is almost exactly the same formula he did with a young Tom Brady in 2001. So the Patriots win the Super Bowl. They kick a game-winning field goal. Uh, Adam Vinatieri, great kick. That's kind of, it's interesting. He played with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and actually Andrew Luck in his career, which is a crazy good run of quarterbacks for Adam Vinatieri to play with during his NFL career. And this episode was all about how the experience with Drew Bledsoe really shaped Tom Brady. It showed him how valuable it is to have good teammates and have good people around you. And, you know, Willie McGinnis talked about it, how the way that Tom Brady got his first opportunity in the NFL, someone getting hurt, someone giving him a chance to get on the field, it showed Brady, you better be ready when you get your shot and be like, what happened to Drew Bledsoe could happen to me. So Tom Brady prepares like a madman. He doesn't want to leave the field. He doesn't want other people to get a shot. He, I'm sure that's, that's why he hated when the Patriots drafted Jimmy Garoppolo. He's like, I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to give up any opportunity to Jimmy Garoppolo to play because I want this to be my job, not Jimmy's. And, you know, this episode, again, it kind of came full circle. It's like this is this whole experience with Drew Bledsoe really, really shaped Tom Brady because without Drew Bledsoe getting hurt, we would not have the Tom Brady we have today. We wouldn't have the story we have. And uh, one final note, they talk about 9-11 in this and how, and I didn't ever realize this, the NFL skipped a week. So they had on Sunday, was September 9th, uh, week one of the NFL season. And then Tuesday, September 11th, 2001, 9-11 happens. And they, the NFL didn't play any games the following weekend. They actually waited till September 23rd to play week two of the NFL season. That's it. I mean, I, I didn't ever realize that. And, and this is, you know, a lot of people, I've been getting a lot of comments recently on, uh, I made a video like, I think two years, three years ago now about like how the NFL isn't scripted and it makes no sense because people get hurt and there's too much loss and there are, you know, too many variables. You just can't script. Like I'm, I, I would not be shocked if you told me the NFL like nudges referees in a certain direction, but that's the farthest it'll ever get. But how crazy is it that in 2001, after 9-11, a national tragedy, the New England Patriots, the Patriots, the team, uh, the most American name in the NFL, they're the team that wins the Super Bowl. If there's ever an argument for the NFL is scripted, that's it right there. It, it, that, along with Cam Newton having, you know, the same location he played, he won a national title in Arizona. He made his NFL debut for the Carolina Panthers in Arizona. And then in 10 years later, in 2021, on the road again in Arizona, he makes his return to the Carolina Panthers, scores two touchdowns on his first two plays. Like, those are the couple plays dur- and things and outcomes throughout the NFL where you're like, okay, like you could make a solid argument the NFL scripted just based on 
after 9-11, a team named the Patriots wins the Super Bowl. It's a, a weird, funny thought, but it is true. And um, another thing they talk about in this episode of, of, Man, of Man in the Arena is that 9-11 was something that made the Patriots players come together and was something that they decided to not get introduced individually anymore. They wanted to be introduced as a team all together. That's kind of cool to me. And uh, I just, I'm excited, man. This has been a really, episode one was fun. It was a big event. I was really into it. It was awesome. And I, I think about the moments that I, I want to see talked about in this series. I want to talk about Deflategate. I want to hear about the 2007 season where they went undefeated. They lost Super Bowls to Elon Manning. Uh, I also want to hear about the year Tom Brady got hurt. Remember, Tom Brady once tore his ACL. And Matt Castle started for an entire year that year in 2008, the year after they went undefeated. And what's Brady's outlook on that year, like reflecting on it? And then I would think they talk about the years where he left like what happened when he left New England and all that stuff. And I'm sure they break it all down. I wonder if, I don't think so, but I wonder if Bill Belichick will make a, an appearance in this show. Like, unless I'm crazy, I don't think they really had, I mean, they had, you know, old interview clippings, but I don't think they had any recent interviews where they sat down with Belichick, at least for episode one. And I wonder if Belichick is in this series at all talking about Brady. Like, did he ever, did they interview Belichick at all for this series? I don't think so. That would be interesting. Uh, maybe I'm crazy. It is, um, it's 424 in the morning now. Maybe I'm insane, but I, I don't, I don't remember seeing Belichick sat down for an interview the way we saw Willie McGinnis and Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady. So that'll be interesting. And, um, I don't know. I, I found something Brady said at the beginning of this episode. It was kind of the, the beginning promo time. He says, you know, my career has always been about realizing my potential. I'm sure that'll be explored later during this episode. I'd love to hear about how he met Alex Guerrero. Actually, that'd be really interesting. Uh, his trainer who taught him apply metrics and stretching and kind of helped him abandon strength training. And also, by the way, look at Tom Brady's face in this episode. Like when you see him in 2001, that's a, a different face entirely than the guy we see now at 40 something years old. Like he looks like a different human being. His face is way more thin uh, maybe that's what money does for you. Maybe that's what a better diet does. I don't know, but Brady's come a long way, even just how he looks. Um, and he said something I really, really liked, though. Tom Brady said, things I have dreamed about have come true. And uh, you keep trying to make progress. You put one foot in front of the other. I found that so relatable. I mean, I I reflect on my career. Um, I talk about sports for a living. It's my job. And I live in Hawaii. And I, I love what I do every single day and I work hard at it. And I, I just, things that I have always want, like I, I, my whole life had wanted to live in Hawaii, never felt possible till now. And I live in a tiny apartment. It's not the, I'm not living it up, but I'm, I'm definitely really happy. And when Brady said things I've dreamed about have come true, it makes me think of John Bell like dreams that I wrote down, they came to life. He talks about that in the song money, right? You know, Tom Brady is the ultimate story of a guy chasing a dream and making it. I don't know why more people don't celebrate Tom Brady and give him praise and support and love the guy because I feel like every American, everyone in the world has a dream, something they want to achieve. And Brady is a guy who did that. And I, I never have understood why people hate Brady rather than go like, I guess hate him. If you're like a Giants fan or you, you're a Jets fan or a Bills fan, you played Brady every year or, 
I also totally understand people being tired of Tom Brady dominating. Like, I love Formula One, and Lewis Hamilton has been the dominating driver in Formula One for years. And I'm like, I'm over it. I'm I'm so ready for somebody else to win. I'm really rooting for Max Verstappen to win Formula One this year. So I understand why people don't like Brady or they're tired of him or bored of him, but you have to respect it. You have to respect the career he's had and what he's done and the, the clear effort he's put into keeping his career going. And uh, I just, I, I find Tom Brady incredibly inspiring. I, and I wish more people looked at it that way where you can be tired of the guy. That's fine. But also, if you have a dream to chase, how can you not look at Tom Brady and go, man, that dude came out of nowhere, overcame the odds, and uh, became the most successful to ever play the quarterback position. I find that incredibly inspiring. And also, it's also the way he's done it with, you know, being a good leader, encouraging people around him, elevating people around him, and uh, making sure the team around him was good, recognizing the value of all the little guys that are his teammates that matter and elevating them. And even as simple as making sure there was an episode basically dedicated to Drew Bledsoe, someone who really helped him get ahead in his career, an unsung hero in Tom Brady's story. I think Tom Brady's uh, people skills, his leadership, the way he's done it, it's so impressive to me. And uh, that's all I have, guys. That's that's my breakdown of Man in the Arena, Episode 1. I'm excited for next week, and I love you. I appreciate you. I hope that wasn't too scatterbrained. I bounced around a lot. I, I, I'm not that—I didn't want to prepare too much for this. I wanted to just kind of meander and have fun and, and just kind of um, free flow my thoughts on, on this episode because I, I enjoyed it, and I sat down to— I, I have a process where every episode I sit down and I, I make bullet points and I go through them as I write. And I, I couldn't do that here. Cause they're, they're just, for some reason I had a mental block. I couldn't, I couldn't break it down the way I've never done an episode like this where I, I break down one thing for an entire episode. So I figure, uh, I don't know if you guys will like this. I don't know if I'll do it exactly this way next time, but I'm excited for episode two. And if you want to know, like, please write in and let me know what things you're excited for for episode two of Man in the Arena and what you're looking forward to for the rest of the series as it goes on. Uh, I should mention that this episode is sponsored by Hisense. Uh, Hisense is a TV company. They make the Hisense U6 ULED TV. Uh, I have one right next to me. It's my computer monitor. It's my thing I watch football on. I watch TV shows on it. I watch Man in the Arena on it. I watch everything on my Hisense TV. They're fantastic. Uh, Next week on November 22nd, I'm putting out a video with my Thanksgiving Day picks, uh, and I am actually debating a turkey, which is weird and interesting, but that'll be fun, uh, and look forward to that video on November 22nd. Check out the Hisense USA Instagram account, and if you're in the market for a TV, I highly recommend Hisense. They have the Hisense U6 ULED TV, the ultimate big game TV. I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. But um bum bam we are done.